Well, if you're glad you're here today, say amen. amen. And thank you, Tony and team, for leading us. Wow. I thought I heard a little bit of Elvis going on there for a while. <laughs> Anybody agree with me on that? Just a little bit? Well, what a delight to be able to be with you. My name is Dave Engbrecht, and I am delighted to be with you. Christy and I go way back with Denny and Jody. In fact, in our ministry where we're at now, Denny, I think it would be 40 years ago. Man, I'm an old dog. 40 years ago when we joined together, and they joined us in ministry, and we watched God do some of the most amazing things in those years together in ministry. And in those years, Denny, we poured that foundation and then watch God just do some incredible things. So it's a delight to be with you here in Illinois. My goodness, this is my first time to ever be in this part of the state. When we were coming across, I think it was 88. Was that where I came across from Chicago? I get about as far as O'Hare and then my world stops. And, and so what a delight to come across and to see your country. I asked someone when I came in, I'm not sure if it was Donna or Pat or who it was. I said, what do I need to do in Sterling while I'm here? What's the can't miss thing in Sterling? And they spoke my language. They talked pizza. And I thought, these are good people. Because the Bible says, wherever two or three are gathered together, there will be pizza. And uh, I'm all in favor of that. But it's just such a delight to be able to be here. Um, I grew up in Iowa, just across the border where gas is cheaper. And uh, I... I grew up in Iowa, spent my junior high years there, actually was born in Indiana, went to South Dakota with my father who was a pastor, and then Iowa, and then really I'm a, I'm a Cornhusker by, by heart. I'm a Nebraska kid, graduated from high school in Lincoln, Nebraska, and was really big into football when they used to play football in Nebraska, and uh, it was just great to be able to be there. But, but someone told me, they said, when you're from Nebraska, you need to understand that Nebraska is uh, the University of Nebraska is a very academic place. The school is all about academics, studies. You know what that N on the helmet stands for? Stands for knowledge. And uh, it's just an amazing place where you can get it done. What a delight to build. I'm, I'm looking forward to these days together. We kind of hang out together. And I, I just, I, as I've been praying about our time together, I just sense the Lord impressing upon me. Take these people and just lift them up. Just lift them up. These are some of the wildest times that we're living in. Oh my goodness, what in the world is going on? I was thinking about these times, and, and in fact, I wanted to show you just some pictures. If you can go ahead and put the first one up on the screen. Uh, these are times that are just incredible. We've come through COVID. Oh my goodness. You know, I didn't realize... As a pastor now, I've actually pastored, hard for you to believe, I started when I was real young. This is my 50th year uh, of being a pastor of a local church, 50 years. Do, do, do you know what that means? That means I'm old. But anyway, 50 years of doing this, and I discovered something through the pandemic. People have opinions. Oh my goodness, when it came to COVID, everyone had opinions. And the second thing I discovered is people were never afraid to express them. They just felt very free. And for pastors, this has been just, this whole pandemic thing has just been wicked. 50% of the pastors in America right now really are considering leaving the ministry. Because it's just been overwhelming. It's been brutal. It's been tough. It's been hard. And that's why I say to churches, love your pastor well. Because this has been just virtually impossible for us to lead through. But we are in what I call uncharted territory. 
uncharted territory. We've never been this way before. We're in the midst of a global disruption right now. It's just all, it's all bets are off everywhere. I mean, you've got the pandemic on one side. It doesn't take long to look over and you turn the news on right now and you see the war in Ukraine and, and you look at what's happening with the war and, and you say to yourself, this is unbelievable what's taking place. Have we lost our minds? Innocent civilians being killed and bombed and we just don't get it. And we say, what is happening? And, and now they start talking and they say, World War III? Now, that's enough to get someone nervous. They talk about nuclear stuff. This is what we call uncharted territory. And then put on top of that, the times we live in economically are just wild. I mean, we're living now like it was in the 19, early 1980s when they talk about inflation and, and things just going up. And I went with Christy to the store the other day and I was, I was taken back. I couldn't believe, man, prices have gone up. And I, I keep thinking, is this going to keep going up? What, what's happening here? What's taking place in our world? I'm not the greatest student of prophecy. But I can tell you it does appear on some things. The Lord may not come for a thousand years. He could come tonight. You just don't know because things are, the piece of the puzzle appear to be fitting together. It's just so strange. These are uncharted times. And so I want to talk to you in these days and this morning about how do we navigate uncharted territory. If you have a Bible, go over to the book of Joshua. This fascinates me. This has grabbed me. And I have a feeling no matter who you are, no matter where you're at, you probably right now are facing what I'm going to call uncharted territory. Now you need to see this. I'm going to take you over quickly to a verse in chapter 3, verse 4. Chapter 3, verse 4 of Joshua, the book of Joshua. And you know a little bit of Old Testament history. Most of you have a little bit of an idea that Moses has been their leader. Joshua is taking over. They now come to the Jordan River. They've got to cross this river. On the other side are all kinds of tough things. Listen to this verse in Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. It says, then you will know which way to go. And that next phrase grabs me. It just grabs me. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. You've never been this way before. Now I want you to grab a hold of that phrase. Never been this way before. I just love getting a chance to meet people. In fact, for the service, I got a chance to meet some of you and kind of get names. And I just look forward this week to getting an opportunity to connect with you. I love hearing people's stories. We used to fly out of O'Hare quite a bit. And when we do that, I, I really enjoyed the airport because there's all these people I get to meet. And I know we want to become friends. And so I'll sit down with them. Chris just said, you might want to leave them alone. I, I don't really think they're interested in spending time with you. Everybody has a story. A couple of you shared pieces of your story with me before the service. Wow. We've never been this way before. If you're raising children right now, you've never been this way before. If you're facing retirement, you've never been this way before. If you've got a prodigal you're working with, you've never been this way before. 
We, we just, we, we've not done this before. And now in the midst of a global disruption, we're saying, Lord, uh, the waters are very troubled. This does not, it doesn't look good. It just doesn't look good. Christy was exchanging a text with a the, with the gal yesterday on her way over. And somehow the conversation went to a group of students. And one of the things we're noticing in our world, and I know this is going to make you feel very uncomfortable, we are noticing phenomenal gender confusion in a whole generation. Say what you want to say. And I know we're, we're all on the same wavelength, but it is real. And we're saying we've never been this way before. We're starting now to work with parents to help them understand the issues they're going to have to face. Marriages right now are going through things they've never before gone through. There's more crash and burns than there's ever been. I'm a, I'm a guy that's committed to the fact that God's perfect design is one man to one woman for one's lifetime. But, but we've never been here. So, so what are we going to do? Now, I think what we can do is we can go back to Joshua as he's leading the children of Israel, and we can kind of take some lessons away. Because here's my goal. Here's my goal today. The reason I've come to be with you today, and the reason I want to be with you through Wednesday, I just sense in my heart God is saying, Dave, would you just kind of help these people get ready for tomorrow? Would you help Sterling First Nazarene get ready for the future? Would you pour into them and, and, and help them understand that in the midst of all this disruption, there is a way you can go, there is hope, and, and we can say, God, would you prepare me for what's going to happen? Now, let me just real quickly try to take you down a journey, down a journey. The context is the children of Israel getting ready to cross into the promised land, the promised land. Say these two words out loud with me, promised land. Say it together, promised land. Now, when you say promised land, this is like good stuff. This is like, in our minds, it's as good as it gets. For me, the promised land would be Dairy Queen, ice cream. I think it's coming up tomorrow. Free ice cream cones. I think it's tomorrow, is it not? The world thing, this free ice cream at Dairy Queen, I'll find one somewhere after I eat the pizza. But anyway, be that what it may, promised land. So he says, I want you to go to the promised land. Now, these people have gone through the desert. They've, they've come out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've watched God do miracles. They've watched him provide water. They've had manna by, to eat. God has brought all these things for them. And now he says, I want you to cross into this new uncharted territory. And you've never been this way before. Now, let me draw it out. First of all, uncharted territory is often created by a change of circumstances. A change of circumstances. Now, when you study this passage of Scripture, you understand that they had gone through a phenomenal change of circumstances. Moses, Moses is dead. Moses is dead. When you read the end of Deuteronomy and you go to the last part of Deuteronomy, you begin to hear Moses described. Listen to this. Now, Joshua, son of Nun, this is chapter 34, verse 9 of Deuteronomy. Now, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the new leader is going to be Joshua. He has wisdom. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 10. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses. This is it. You can have your debate whether Michael Jordan is the greatest or LeBron James. And it is Michael Jordan, by the way. <laughs> because I'm a Bulls fan. 
No one has risen in Israel like Moses. This is it, man. He's it. Whom the Lord knew face to face. Who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt. To Pharaoh and to all his officials to his whole land. For no one, no one, no one has ever seen the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. And now, my friends, chapter 1, verse 2, Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Wow. So what we begin to understand is that uncharted territory is often created by a change of circumstances. Something took place that we didn't really want, that we didn't embrace. We got a curveball thrown at us. And now all of a sudden, I am living in this uncharted territory, and we've never been this way before. We've never been this way before. And so there's all kinds of feelings that are going to come over us in the midst of that time. There's going to be anger anger because God you brought us up out of Egypt all this way and now all of a sudden the guy that brought us out of Egypt to take us to the promised land is dead it's a lot of anger when we go through change of circumstances there's lots of anger that takes place there's grief one of the things I've noticed can I talk to those of you that might be my age I still have hair on my head but it is white it's been that way for a lot of years I meet a lot of my people my age that are just angry. They're just ticked. They're ticked at the church. They're ticked at the government. They're ticked at the schools. They're ticked at their football coach. They're just ticked. They're just angry people. They're just ticked. They're just mad. Grief paralyzes them. And the Lord says, uh, Joshua, I want you to take these people because I've got better things for them. And the people are thinking, what in the world are we doing? We're going to get slaughtered. So my, my first observation is this, is I don't know what circumstance change you've gone through. I don't know what you're going through in your life. This is where if we could just talk together one-on-one and I could visit, I'd love to see what's happened in your life might be a businessman who lost a business or you sold to a partner and he failed you. Is there anybody here whose adult child has in a sense betrayed you, mistreated you? Is anyone here who is facing a diagnosis from a doctor that was like cancer? And you're saying, why me? Uncharted territory is caused by these circumstances that create this change. Let me, let me give you a second thought. Here's a second thought. Uncharted territory means there's going to be a big challenge up ahead. There's a big challenge up ahead. Now, their big challenge was going to be crossing the Jordan River. And so as they're preparing to go, they are ready that there's like a, an insurmountable obstacle that is ahead of them. There's something that they can't solve on their own. And, and this whole concept is very simple. Uh, uncharted territory 
is an intending is an impending challenge, and their challenge was about taking this new territory. Now, when you read about this new territory, you understand that this new territory for them, which God meant to be promised, was really going to be painful. Uh, Joshua chapter three verse ten. I, I read this: the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everyone had commanded the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over. Um, go, go back though to verse 10. Listen to this. This is how you will know the living God is among you. He will certainly drive out before you. And now he gives all the ites. Because as they're going to go into this new territory, and they're going to they're move forward, they face these ites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Termites, and the Mennonites. I mean, all the ites, whatever ite you want to put in there. Sometimes, when you're in uncharted territory, God has a way of taking you that to teach you a lesson that you're never going to forget. It was Easter Sunday. I don't know about you, but for us as pastors, Easter Sunday is our Super Bowl. I mean, Easter Sunday, everybody comes. It's great. It is so much fun. Extra services and just pull out all the stops. But I want to communicate as clearly as I can the gospel of Jesus Christ Easter Sunday. I've got to present the gospel. And I want to do it in a creative way. Because most people, when they come in Easter Sunday, are hoping the pastor preaches a short message. They don't want a long message. They want to go to dinner. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't born yesterday, so I know it. So I have to do something that's going to hold their attention. So I thought up the ultimate message I could preach Easter Sunday morning. I was going to preach a visual message of the plan of salvation. So what I did is I went and got, I went and got the, uh, the big, huge exercise machine, a treadmill, just a big one. And I had to bring it into the church and put it on the platform. And I was going to show them that you can't get to heaven by your works. And so I thought, let's just do the whole thing. And I got on the treadmill, hiked up my britches, and I started walking. Now, believe you me, I'm not in bad shape. I, I ride bike a lot of miles. I, I work out fairly regularly, and I eat a lot of pizza. And, uh, and, and so I get on this treadmill, and I'm going. And something inside me says, go a little faster. And pretty soon before you know it, dressed up, I'm on this treadmill, and I'm just running. And I'm just preaching about the fact that you can't get to heaven by your works. You can say, well, I'm going to be better and better and better, and I'm just going like a house of fire. And it's just going, and, and then I slow it down, and I get off. Hear the message. I went down to the furniture store in town. And I got the biggest oversized recliner I could find. I said, give me the biggest one you've ever had. I want a man chair for a big man. And I want that to be a recliner. It was up on stage on the other side. And I got in this recliner. And I said, some people believe that in order to get to heaven, there's nothing you do. God just does it all. You just sit back and relax and enjoy it. And, and the way God works is God says, you're in, you're not. Sorry. You're in, you're not. God just chooses some and doesn't choose others. And I'm in that recliner and I put that thing clear back in recline mode. And I'm resting there just preaching my heart out. And I'm thinking, this is going to work. 
I'm just resting back and then I point to the cross. It's not by the works of righteousness that you've done that you're going to be saved. It's not that God stood up in heaven and chose some in and some out. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross. And I preached the cross of Christ. Gave an invitation. God just had some people whose lives were changed that day. And after first service, we have three. After first service, I went over and I said, guys, anything, we always meet at the end of the service, anything we need to adjust or change in the service? How are we doing our time marks? Is this working? One of the associates came over to me and he said, Dave, uh, I hate to tell you this, but when you were in that recliner, you ripped your pants on the treadmill. And you were flashing white to the congregation as you were laid back in that recliner. In all of my glory. Now, I was in uncharted territory. But I'm a man. And we solve problems. Because I've got two more services to go and I got my pants all ripped out and I got to do this again. Now, men, we solve problems, don't we? It's amazing what a roll of duct tape will do. I took my pants, went back in the bathroom, and I duct taped those suckers. And I duct taped them this way and that way, and whoa. And I went back in that next service, and I preached the exact same message, walked as hard, ran as hard as I've ever done, got in that recliner, knew I was safe because duct tape holds the world together. Got up, preached, gave an invitation, did it three services. I will tell you that there were some f severe physical problems after the service. <laughs> with that duct tape. But can I tell you something? God has a way of working when we think things fall apart. And you may be saying to yourself right now, I, I'm, I'm in uncharted territory. What do I do? How's this going to work? God says, if you'll put your confidence in me amidst the change of circumstances and amidst all those things that come upon you, an impending challenge, I'm going to do something for you that you never dreamed could be done. I'm going to take you. And the people said, listen, the desert sounded really good. I mean, we had fresh shoes. We, we had manna. We had water. We had everything we needed. Let's just stay in the desert. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to take you to a place you've never been before. And you may be filled full of fear of all these ites. You may be filled full of fear because Moses is gone and you got a new leader. But I want to tell you in the midst of uncharted territory, I'm going to prove myself like you never could believe. And I'm going to do abundantly beyond anything you'd ever dream in your minds. Let me give you the last one. Uncharted territory presents incredible possibilities amidst fearful consequences. Now, I love Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, because I think this is God's battle cry to us. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you be strong, courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You've never been this way before, but I have gone into the future, and I've been there, and so I want you to know that I'm going to walk with you through your uncharted territory. What you're facing, you need not be overcome by fear, you need not be overcome by hesitation and doubt. If you're willing to trust me, I am going to take you. Be strong and courageous. Say that together with me. Be strong and courageous. Say it again. Be strong and courageous. I didn't hear you. 
be strong and courageous. And he cries out and says, I want to tell you there are incredible possibilities of what I can do and how I'm going to work. And what they saw was the ites over here, and they saw Jericho. Do you ever hear that song, Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho? Walled cities. They saw enemies on every side. They said, we're going down. We're not going to make it. And he said, no, I want you to know what it is to put your confidence in me. You've never been this way before. But if you let me walk with you, I'm going to take you to places you never dreamed into your promised land. Let me draw it out for you this way if I can. If we could have a conversation together, I would love to hear the story of your life. We call this the story of your life. I call this the lower story. This is the lower story. What has happened to you in your life? I would like to know the high points of your lower story, but the low points of your lower story. And you could take me and write out your life, and you would say, that's what has happened to me in my life. Now, here's what I want you to see. That amidst this lower story that is going on, of everything that's happened to you in life, disappointments, setbacks, hurts, reversals, I would, I would just, it'd be so, it'd be so exciting so meaningful if I could just hear you one-on-one. Obviously, I can't. And hear your lower story. Your lower story is going to have a lot of pain points. It's going to have a lot of disappointments. Your lower story is probably going to have failures. But can I tell you a secret? Your heavenly father in the midst of those has an upper story of his faithfulness to you. And while all these things are happening in the scene, this is the stuff we see with our eyes. We see these with our eyes. This is all the unseen that God says, I'm working a plan. You've never been this way before. But I have a plan that I'm going to put together for your life. And I am writing an upper story that is really the story of the promised land. And if you'll just put your faith and confidence in me and trust me and just say, God, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. He is writing a story that is absolutely unbelievable. Danny, you know this. In my years of pastoring, man, there were terrible lower stories. I remember early on in the first year of where we're at now, of actually going home to Christy and saying, I think you better get out the boxes. A scandal had broken loose in the church with one of the people who worked in Kidman that was horrific. It hit the newspaper. And I thought, it's all over. I remember walking into a banker's office to get a loan on a building and being turned down. I could tell you story after story 
of pain, disappointment, and a feeling of failure. But there's an upper story. And the upper story is in the midst of those things, God says, I'm going to take your life. And I'm going to use you. And I'm building something. There's a plan for you. There's hope for you. He said, I want to do something that's beyond anything you could ever ask or imagine. And you've never been this way before. And it's scary. And it's uncharted. But if you'll just trust me, just trust me. Let go of your control. Let go of your fear. Let go of your hesitation. And I'm going to write a story that's beyond anything you could ever dream. You would be here till Wednesday night's pizza time if I told you every one of those upper stories of what I watched God do. I've watched him take ashes and make beauty. I've watched him take failure and bring success. I've watched God take prodigals who were impossible and turn their hearts toward home. I've seen God restore broken marriages that everyone said had never happened. One of the things that happens is when I speak on a Sunday, there's a little thing that goes on. You see, when you've been at the same church 43 years, 43 years, started when I was six years old preaching there. You know the people and you know their lives. And you know when their mother died at a young age. And you know when that guy was left hopeless. And you know when that parent lost a 16-year-old son in an automobile accident. And then you've watched over the long picture the upper story. Christy and I just got back from Arizona a couple weeks ago. Went down to deal with a couple that's working on the American Indian field. They are absolutely in love with Arizona, in love with First Nation people. And as I looked at their life, remembering how God redeemed them out of drugs, I thought to myself, only God, only God. No matter who you are, you've never been this way before. If I could do this and it'd make you feel horribly uncomfortable, I'd just like to walk to every one of you and just put my hand on you and say, be strong and courageous. Come on, be strong and courageous. Trust in the Lord. Release all your fears. Release those things. Don't be paralyzed what you're thinking about tomorrow. God's got hope for you and a plan for you. Let me close with this story. Danny and Jody have a son that's in Kenya. And I was in Kenya a couple years ago, and monkeys are all over the place in Kenya. India is our favorite country to go to. We've been to India 16 times. And when we go to India and we do meetings, they set up these big tents. But the monkeys, those crazy monkeys, wreck our meetings. Seriously. They get on top of the, of the tent, and, and, and they like to torture you. And they wreck, they, they, they tear the tent up and they do stuff. It's terrible. And you can't throw a stone at them because it might be someone's grandma you hit. You know, they kind of believe in reincarnation. And so you can't deal with them very well. So they had to invent a way to trap monkeys. This is ingenious. What they did to trap a monkey, if you ever have a monkey in your neighborhood, here's how you trap them. You go down to the store and you get a big old coconut. You put a hole in it, 
And then you tie a rope on the inside. You anchor a rope through the inside to it, but you put a hole in it. You hollow it out. And the hole has to be big enough to get your hand into the coconut. Now hang with me. Hang with me now. There's a rope that holds it to a tree. The coconut is there, big enough to get your hand into it. And then you take and you stick a banana inside the coconut that is anchored to the tree. Now you think monkeys are smart. But a monkey takes his hand and he sticks it inside that coconut and he grabs that banana. And he clenches his fist around the banana. And he can't get out. He can't get out. And he starts screaming, making noises. And when he does that, well, you know how the story ends. The monkey has been trapped and caught. Because by clenching that banana, he cannot extract himself. The very thing that he wants is the very thing that kills him. And he's done. How about you going from this, holding on to this, and saying, God, I just give it to you. Here it is. It's yours. It's yours. I surrender it to you. I'm going to take my tomorrows. I'm going to take my fears, my worries, all my junk. Here it is. It's yours. And when you do that, he sets you free. And you can be what he wants you to be and have the joy and peace of full surrender to him. I want you to bow your heads together with me right now. Our instrumentalists are just going to come up and let's take just a moment. I want you to process this. I wonder if you're here today and you'd say, you know, Dave, I've never been this way before. I don't know you well. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what fear kind of keeps you up at night. I don't know what thing it is that you're trying to control that you just have a hard time saying, God, I'm going to give it to you. I don't know what you're facing. If you're like me, you're kind of a control person. You want to control everything. And our desire to control grips our fist and holds it tight. I want you to stand together with me right now. Would you just do that with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Would you just take your hands and if, and if you can do this Would you just open them up in front of you? Just open them up. Now you opening them up is saying, God, I'm in uncharted territory. This world is going through some crazy stuff. I don't know what it's going through. But I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust you in the midst. I've never been this way before. And I'm going to trust you for it. Now, in these last moments with every eye closed, Just respect each other, would you? Did the Holy Spirit take some of you and just kind of give you an elbow in the ribs and say, oh man, you're living in uncharted territory. And you say, God, I need you right now, desperately in the midst of this. If that's you, I'm going to ask you just just to talk to me. And you do that by just slipping your hand up and saying, Lord, that's me. I'm in some really tough, uncharted stuff right now. 
Just hold it up for three, four, five seconds. God bless you. Many of you across here. God bless you. Just be honest with him. See, the Bible says he will in no wise cast out an honest and sincere heart. God bless you. God bless you. God will do abundantly beyond anything you've ever thought. I'm going to ask Pastor if he'll come and close our time together.